0: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's um, made it actually very easy with that. That was absolutely beautiful. It really was. I could probably sit back down and say, just digest what you've just heard, and it would be pretty much all you need. Um, I want to speak to you this morning about, I guess, a subject that I have a love-hate relationship with. It's um, one of those subjects... That when it's all going well, it's like, this is just great. And when it's not, it's like, this just really sucks. And the subject I want to talk about is faith, or waiting for faith. You know, it's interesting. I think in my life, and probably a lot of us here, often we think that faith is reserved for those people who, you know, the people that can actually fast for 40 days, the people who can actually, you know, stay praying for more than 15 minutes without like... You know, and they, they sort of get sucked up into the, into, the, into the realms of God where angels come and talk to them and, and they get scrolls coming down and we think, oh, that's, you know, when I get these things, then this faith will work, you know, and it's a, there's this mystical property to it that we think, man, that's what I want. When I've got that, I'll have all the faith I need. But until then... Well, I guess I've just got to wait. Now, I read a book about a month ago, and it was on a lady called Maria Woodworth-Eta, or Mariah woodworth Etta, one or the other. And um, it was a lady was one of America's first woman evangelists, or healing evangelists, and she was born, I think, roughly about 1840, and she started preaching, sort of 1860-something, right through to the early 1900s. And I was reading her book, and I was absolutely astounded... At the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the things that were happening. And I thought, wow, you know, as I said she'd go into a meeting and she'd start preaching, and all of a sudden she'd freeze for hours. I mean, I was thinking about how long would you last if I was up here like, like this? And you think, well, um, we'll give them five minutes, but after that, I'm going home. It's getting, you know, getting rather late. You know, and, but it was interesting because doctors would turn up to the meeting and they'd go and they'd pick her with, prick her with pins to see if she'd wiggle. You know, but just amazing, just the signs and the wonders and the miracles that were happening. And I was reading it thinking, man, this is, this is great. I mean, at times, up to a 10-mile radius of where she was speaking, people would be walking along boom, on the ground, not even at the meeting, just, boom, on the ground. And they'd have encounters. They'd be taken up into heaven or sometimes taken down and shown what hell is like. And they'd come out of these encounters and they'd, they'd say they'd begin repenting, they'd be praising God, they'd be running to find these things, and I was reading, I'm thinking, man, this is amazing, you know, this is, this is over a 100 years ago, you know, the Lord, the Lord says, you know, as the days go on, the latter days, his glory will increase, and I think, wow, you know, what's going on, and at the end of the book, it had, I don't know, maybe a little bit over half a dozen of her sermons, and I thought, oh, great, you know, this is, I'm, I'll, read what, I'll read what she spoke about, and so I started reading them, and I don't, how many people here have seen the movie um, Braveheart? And, you know, when um, the Irish the Irish king, he comes and he meets William Wallace, and he says, this can't be William Wallace. I am prettier than this man. And I couldn't help but think that as I was reading the scriptures. Not that I was prettier, but I thought, I've heard all this before. There's nothing new here. It's not like, I, I was waiting for this. this, I don't know, but it was like, there's nothing that I haven't heard. There's things that I've spoke myself. There's things that I've heard other people speaking about. And I thought, what's going on? It was a little bit of a dilemma. Because, because I thought, here's one lady speaking the very same words and people being healed, delivered, set free, signs and wonders everywhere. And I'm thinking, well, what's going on? And I thought, well, Lord, I need to seek you over this. And so I thought I would better start praying. And actually the Lord dropped initially three scriptures into my heart. The first one was this. He says, I am spirit and I am truth. And I thought I thought to myself immediately, I thought, well, hey, I don't want to just get a scripture and then say, Oh, God is spirit and truth. And anyway, oh yes, 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 Amen. Yes, God is spirit and truth. Amen. So what does that mean to me? What does that mean? And I looked it up, and it's actually quite accurate. God is spirit and truth. But it would be better to say it as God is spirit and reality. You see, and what I realize in my life is we start here. This is what God says. And we pray that. And we wait. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, I didn't see it. So all of a sudden, we come down a little bit. And we wait again, or we pray again, and we do these things again, and and at times, not always, but at times we come down, and all of a sudden we think, instead of saying God is spirit and reality, we say, well, I'm not seeing that, here's the reality I see. So all of a sudden we say, yes, God is spirit and reality, or the reality of God is there, but I haven't witnessed it, I haven't walked in it, I haven't seen it, someone else has told me about this, someone else has told me about that, so here's my reality, so all of a sudden, I've taken this reality, and I've gone, chunk, 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 here, here is where I am. The second scripture I read, or I felt, was hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Or hope deferred makes the heart grow weary. Heaviness of heart, and <laughs> this, is, this is a difficult one, is because, I don't know about you guys, but look, I'm a Kiwi male. And, you know, often our heart, you know, there's, hey, how much do you really need to know in there? Are you hungry? Yeah. You know, was there, did you have a good day? Yeah. What are you up to tomorrow? Not much. <laughs> do you want to go to the movies? If you want to. Does my bum look big in this? No. <laughs> you know, there's, there's only a certain amount you really need to know in your heart. You know, you, you just don't need to get that deep in it. Keep your answers short, and you don't get into any trouble. You know, so sometimes our hearts aren't quite functioning like they would. See, the other thing is, I'm actually over 40 now. So I'm getting to that age where I can say things like, back in my day, you know, back in my day, we had it tough. You know, you wouldn't believe it, but back in my day, we had to walk to school. In the snow, no shoes, uphill. Both ways. You know, it was different. In my day, it was different. You just don't know how lucky you are these days. You know, you face it. While walking to school, if you fell over and broke your arm, there wasn't anything like an ambulance can pick you up. You know, basically, you had to get home. Oh, my arm hurts. So, you're not going to shirk out of your chores. You know, you get your chores done before we go taking you to the hospital. And so, and then you hear your parents talking, you know, a couple of days later to their friends oh, that, that boy of ours fell over and broke his arm. Oh, he's a tough one, he's a tough one, that one. He didn't cry once. Oh, he'll make a good husband one day. You know, so our hearts were, you know, they're there to be tough. You know, (laughs) the third scripture was faith is the substance of things hoped for. And actually, this really caught my attention because after that I thought, well, faith is a substance of something I'm hoping for, If my heart is not right or my reality of God is not right, does that actually mean that actually what I'm hoping for has actually decreased as well? Therefore, my faith, even what I'm asking for, has decreased as well. And I thought, this is actually quite serious. That I can no longer even hope for the same things I started with, therefore the faith that comes out of my mouth is no longer here. It's here because my heart has been damaged inside me. Now, I want to read to you this in scripture. John eleven. Better put these on. Look at that, eh? Look wiser now? I need the cue card as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> Now, John 11, it says this. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. I would almost guarantee that everybody here at some stage has sent up a prayer or a dream or a hope or something to the Lord and say, Lord, I really would like you to come through in this area of my life. I've got a dream, I've got a desire inside of me to to step out in this area, to reach this. Lord, I've got a dream, I've got a desire that my kids would grow up in the knowledge of you, that my family, my husband, my wife would come to the Lord, that my neighbours would know of you, that my sore knee that I've had for 25 years, that you'd heal it. We've all, at some stage, prayed. Praying is actually should be, to us, a natural thing we do. It should be something to us that we lift it up to the Lord, because He is our provider. And I would say with certainty that everybody here has actually done that to some degree. And it's never really the prayer which is the hard thing. Praying just like that, Mary and Martha, Jesus, would you come over please? Lazarus is crook. We need your help. We don't really have any other hope. Could you come over please? Prayer is never really the issue. The issue is this. Verse 6, when therefore he heard, that Jesus heard that Lazarus, Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it's like, that sucks. I mean, come on, because let's face it, we all love the prayer like this, Father, just in the name of Jesus, I release your healing power on my knee, and I just thank you for it. And you say, how's your knee? Great. It's like yes, but when it comes down to that, and it's, oh, it's still a bit sore. Oh, look, we'll, we'll pray again. That's no, still a bit sore. Okay, you know. And after a little while, it's like oh, we'll just, you know, just go away and and um, we'll see what happens. But let's face it. You know, anything over twenty minutes is a long time to wait. <laughs> you know, and um, they're waiting. What are you asking yourself? Hey, look, I've waited twenty minutes hasn't happened. Um, you've, got no, you've got no choice. You've got to keep waiting. I mean, it hasn't happened, so you're still waiting. So, Mary and Martha are sitting there, and what a thing after one day. Oh, well, um, look, it's going to take at least a day to get there and maybe a day to get back. So, look, days, grace, not, not a problem. Second day. Oh, well, um, yeah, yeah, he, he'll be coming maybe by lunchtime. You know, he normally arrives about lunchtime. That'll, that'll be great. We'll, we'll, we'll put some lunch on for him, and when he gets here, we'll, we'll, we'll do something about it. Well, then another day passes. And another day passes. What are you thinking by now? I don't know about you, but if you're thinking like me, it's something like, well, where the flippin' heck is he? <laughs> it's like, no, come on, serious, where, where is he? I sent you, sent you a prayer, I sent you a letter. Um, so what starts going through your heart? Did he not get my letter? Or did he not receive my prayer? Did the person not deliver it? Do I have to pray again? Um, maybe he was too busy. You know, that must be. He's too busy. He's busy with someone else, and so it—you it, um, know it, it's had to wait. There's something more important than me happening. Well, perhaps it's that sin. Mm. I haven't um, actually um, been spotless enough, and so he's actually said, oh, look, I'm not going there because oh there's that sin in your life and so all of a sudden oh, maybe it's the sin Um, did I not repent enough and then it's like well maybe he doesn't love me as much as he said he did you know it's the one you love is sick but he hasn't turned up so maybe he doesn't love me you know what are we thinking after four or five days we're thinking well he should have been here by now But he's not. What's the story? And actually, I don't know about you, but that's probably pretty much where I'd be about there. And we can actually read that. In verse 21, Martha therefore said to Jesus, This is when Jesus actually did turn up. You know, oh, you're here now, are you? Martha said to them, Jesus, He said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Basically, Lord, where have you been? What's going on? You know, you actually ruined the show. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And let's face it, guys, how many prayer meetings we've been to. Oh, look, Lord Jesus, he's in the room. If he was here, this would happen. Lord, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. What's going on? And it's, I had to laugh because I think, wow here we are, we're speaking to the the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, basically giving a bit of a telling off. You would be on time next time, because it's really unsatisfactory. (laughs) You really, really put a fly in the ointment, because look, it's just not going to work. You know, if this happens again, it's like, you're fired. Well, three strikes and you're out, sort of thing. You know, so this is getting, this is a big strike. And As I was thinking about this, because I was thinking, well, what would I have said? And something dawned upon me, and I thought, you know what the amazing thing was? They had the answer to every one of their issues, every one of their problems, the answer to it was standing right in front of them. So instead of saying, oh, Lord Jesus, thank goodness you're here, oh, look, you're running a bit late, but it's great, let's go and see Lazarus now, let's sort this out they said, where have you been? It's your fault. You weren't here. So all of a sudden, we've got a problem this big and a God this big. Because here's my problem, and here's you. And you've turned up too late, and the problem's so big now, it's bigger than you are. How many of us have done the same thing? Jesus turns up and says, well, let's get on with it. And it's oh, look, I can't I can't now. Look, I've been, I've been praying for my neighbor's children for 25 years now, and it was easy when they're little. You know, when they're little, they're lovely, and they run around and they play and they do all these things, but they've got tattoos now. You know, and uh, they have parties. They have quite a lot of parties, and there's drinking at those parties. And you know what? I think I smelt weed one day. So it's, you know... You know, you know you can do it, Lord, but, you know, it's, um, it's getting tough. And what amazed me is Jesus said to them, verse 23, Jesus said to them, or both the ladies, he said, your brother shall rise again. And again, I thought, well, wow, you know, this is great. You know what, would you say your brother will rise again? Oh, great, let's go and do it. But no. Actually, all of a sudden, we get all religious. And it was interesting, because it says in the last days, it says that people will hold a form of godliness, but they'll deny its very power. You see, Jesus said to them, "Right, didn't I tell you, your, your brother will rise again? And they said, oh, yes, Lord, yes, we know that. In the last days, yeah, yeah he'll rise up when the Lord returns, and hey, things will be sweet. You know, we, we understand You know, we can quote scriptures too. You know, like, the same thing. My knee's been sore for that long now. In the last days, the Lord will raise me up and he'll explain these things to me. Why? You know, I won't walk with a limp anymore because the Lord will have come through and he would have sat me down and explained to this and explained that and me and all the saints will be praising him, you know, in the last days. Last days. When we rise up with him in the clouds. And, you know, because there's no tears in heaven. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be sweet then. You know, that's what we're really waiting for, you know, we right then. And so all of a sudden, we start quoting scriptures. And we quote this and we quote that, but when really, when it comes down to it, we've actually dropped so far, the scriptures are just to make us sound wise. Oh, yes, the, the Bible says this. And everyone goes, oh, yes, yes, he knows his stuff, that guy, doesn't he? But, it is. We have a form of godliness. We sound really good. We sound really sweet. We sound like we've got it all together. But we deny the very nature of God. We deny the very power that comes behind God. Then people look it in and call us hypocrites. But we just, oh, they just don't understand. You know, they're not in with us. If they were, you know, they'd, they wouldn't call us that anymore. And anyway, we read on. After religion, because let's face it, none of us really like religion. It's like banging your head on a wall. First couple of times you think, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. And after a while you either get sick of it, because you think, man, I've got this huge big bruise in my head and I'm bleeding and there's this stuff on the floor, the wall's not going anywhere. And religion's one of those things that ends up killing you. So you end up saying, well, I'm not coming today because really, to be honest with you, sleeping in sounds like a lot better idea. And you know what? The beach is always good in the summer and if you get there nice and early on a Sunday, there's not many people there. You get in there, have a swim, and that's great fun. You know, because the slump in my head's just getting bigger and really, the wall ain't moving. Religion always kills. It actually always does because there's no life in it what we said this morning, there's no life in religion. There's rules and things to follow and scripture quotes and things like that but no life and it amazed me is because verse 39, Jesus said there, Jesus therefore again being, 39, Jesus said remove the stone Martha the sister of the deceased said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench For he has been dead for days. Religion will kill you. It'll bind you up in sackcloth and ashes and burial clothes, put you in a tomb, close the door and say, stay in there, because no one wants to smell your stink. (laughs) Broken dreams do the same thing. We hang on to them, hang on to them, hang on to them, hang on to them. Oh, I'm a little bit old now. When I was younger, I could have done that. Yeah, I could imagine that. But to be honest, it really hurts even thinking about it. So I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. I'll find some people that agree with me. Find some people that say, yeah, yeah, you're right there. It can't happen. You know, If God was going to do it, he, let's face it, he would have done it by now. He would have turned up and done it. It's actually not even your fault. Because if God really wanted you to do it, he would have turned up. You know, So it's actually God's fault when you get to see him. You can actually bring it up with them and say, well, Lord, if you had turned up, I would have done it. But you didn't turn up, so I didn't do it. And look, it was years ago now. So what I've done, I bandaged it all up, covered it all up, put it in a tomb, shut the door because look, I don't want to be reminded about the stink and I don't want anyone else pointing it out because it's embarrassing. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And it's very interesting. When I was looking at it like that, and I thought to myself, Lord, how many things in my life have started out like, yeah, 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 you know, a hiss and a roar sort of thing, and then slowly but steadily getting down and down and down until they're actually embarrassing. I really don't want to be reminded about that anymore. Yeah, that was, you know, that was, that was years ago. It's all bandaged up, put in a tomb, so it doesn't stink, can't smell it. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You know, can't hear, can't hear, can't hear. So it's just locked away in there. And hey, look, if God wants to deal with it, well, hey, look, he, was, he would have done it by now. And I thought, wow, wow. It was getting serious. But because everyone's got really quiet, I guess I'd, be, <laughs> oh, oh, I'd better move on to how, what we can do about it. Otherwise, if we finish now, it's like, well, you'll all be feeling down and depressed. But (laughs) I would really recommend, over the next week or so, read the whole John 11. I was going to read it, but I thought, my reading, you know, you, you might give up halfway through it. But read it. Read it. Because it's interesting. Because we have prayer, we've got waiting, we've got religion, and we've got giving up. It actually, both sides of it, are very similar. Mary and Martha still prayed, or they sent out to God and said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. We need your help. And verse 4. Jesus actually said this when he heard this. The note came to me, read it. He said, but when Jesus heard it, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we actually make in our life is we think we live our life ourselves. We think it's all about me. This pain in my knee only affects me. It doesn't affect you. So if this pain is healed, then oh, it's great. It makes my life a little bit easier. If God touches my husband, touches my wife, touches my children, touches my neighbor, oh, it's great because it's me. And it's my life. We make the mistake of thinking that it's just for us. I've been healed. And, oh, it's great because it just helps me. You know, every day I get up and I can do this. Every day I go for a walk and a run like I used to, and it's, it's, things are really exciting now. My life is cool. See, so we make the mistake in not realizing this, that we are actually a family. What affects me affects you. What affects you affects me. What affects us affects God. We actually think that healing or dreams and visions and things and motives are for us. Somehow to make our life better, our life easier, our life more successful. Got lots of money, got no pain in my body, I'm as fit as I was when I was 21. That's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, Jesus said this. He said, this is not unto death, but this is to glorify God. How many people in this room have been set free from different bits and pieces in our life that we used to walk this way and now we walk this way? How many people out in the community are still struggling under those bondages? How many people can we glorify God by saying, I used to struggle with the same thing? There's someone called Jesus Christ who actually helped me out they took me from where I was to where I am now. How many people out there are hurting, are broken, who need, need I mean, it's just an absolute myriad, myriad of things. And everybody in here has a different walk. Everybody here has a different testimony. Everybody here has a different aspect of life. Everybody here can touch different people. Not just to make your life cruisy. Not just to say, well, hey, look, I don't walk with that limp anymore. The Bible talks, it says about, you know, do your good deeds before men and they will glorify and celebrate with your Father in heaven. And it's actually quite true. When we reach out and we touch other people with God, whether it be friendship, fellowship, whether it be healings, whether it be dreams, whether it be the ability to do things we're not just glorifying ourselves we're not just giving ourselves hey look this is great now, pat on the back we are actually glorifying God our lives are so much more bigger and so much more important than actually we give it credit for we think it's just about us, little us no we represent the Lord of Lords and King of Kings we represent the kingdom of God the body. We represent the ones, the bride, that it says Jesus is coming back for. We might not be spotless yet, but hey, every single one of us here can actually help in that process. Our prayers never just go, oh Lord. You know, we actually don't have to force him to listen. It's not like, oh, it's just God's arm because you know he's a bit deaf at times. You know how men get, you know, selective hearing and your wife says, Honey, can you come out here? (laughs) Honey? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all right. God's not actually like that. We don't have to twist his arm. It's not one of those things like, oh, well, yeah, if you pray really loud, he'll heal you. Or you just pray for a long, long time, he'll hear you then. You know, if you nag long enough, he'll do it. God loves us. He absolutely loves us. So the next thing is waiting. And hey, after your prayer, like I say, instantaneous. I like those ones, I really do. Instantaneous, that's just, for me, that is the ones that, you know, Like, I'm always, I think I put my request in, I have to write it out. Lord, everyone I pray for, I need instantaneous ones, please, because waiting sucks. <laughs> come on, come on, waiting sucks. There's, there's no, there's, there, there's actually no way around this. Nobody likes to sort of say, well, hey, look, I love months, you know, months just waiting, crying, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if there is, look, I don't know anyone. And I thought, well, Lord, you know, come on, Lord, it sucks. And I've uh, got a wee story for you. On our 10th wedding anniversary, or it was actually a little bit before our 10th wedding anniversary, my wife, Katrina, came, and she said to me, oh, honey, 10th wedding anniversary, I want a ring, or another ring. And I said, yeah, okay, honey. And so we started saving. So it may have been a year beforehand, so we just started saving. And then at one stage, Katrina came up to me and she said, I've found the ring I want. It's on special. We're going to get it. Yes. So, yep, we went and got it. And I can't remember how long it was, but it may have been two or three weeks or a month before our anniversary. And so we went to the shop and Katrina put the ring on and, you know, big smile, oh, oh look, look what I've, oh it was, it was, it was marvellous, she's just beaming from ear to ear, and you know, um, I've got a bit of a, oh, I'd call it funny, but Katrina probably just doesn't call it funny sometimes, but um, <laughs> I said to her when we got home, I said right, give me the ring, you know, and you see it, where's this going, put it in the packet, close it up, put it put it all up now this is your anniversary present so I went from big beams to you know I just move over here a little bit you know but in a, and I guess again it was just my sense of humor but you know it was like so you don't put the ring in some sort of a hiding place I put it on her dressing table So I thought, yeah, this will will make it exciting, you know. And um, so every day I'd get up, get ready for work, walk past the ring. (laughs) Katrina would look at me. And anyway, time went by, and and we had our wedding anniversary, and I gave her the ring. She put it on her finger, big smiles. And I thought, yeah, she'll really appreciate it now. You know, she's, you know. And I must admit, guys... I'll give you a little hint here, because later on, Katrina, she laughed. She said to me, you know what? Every day you'd walk past that ring, look at the ring, look at her, look at the ring, look at me. She said as she'd get up out of bed when I was at work, carefully open the box up, (laughs) pull the ring out, put it on her finger. Every day. And then about quarter to five, go back into the room, <laughs> take the ring off, put it all back, fold it up, put it back there, you know, I'd come home, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, <laughs> guys, don't try and get one over your wife, they're too smart for you, alright, <laughs> anyway, where was I, waiting, it's very interesting. How many people? Probably all of us again. Have you either got kids or you were a kid once? And Christmas time, your parents would come around or birthday time, your parents would come around and say, what do you want for your birthday? Or what do you want for Christmas? And you might say, oh, I want a rugby ball or, or I, want a, I want a PlayStation game or I want a trike or I want this, I want that. And then, you know, a week or so later, under the tree or in, in, in the corner, you'd see a present turn up. Yes! And, you know, it might be two weeks before Christmas, and every day they run out. You know, kids are amazing like that. You know, they just don't get tired of getting up at 4.30 in the morning to look at their present. You'd think they would after a while, but they just don't. And they rush out, look at the present. Yes! And every day, the same thing. See, same with us. When we pray, we aren't actually praying, Oh, Lord, I'd like a breakthrough here. Or, Lord, I have a dream, I have a vision. And And the Lord looks down and goes, Well, I think I'll give you a rock. And sometimes we think when we wait, oh, the Lord's not listening. Perhaps he doesn't want to give me what I'm asking for. And we make all these sort of excuses. But you see, guys, waiting is not about something we don't understand. If you're praying for healing, you're praying for healing. If you're praying for breakthrough, you're praying for breakthrough. The Lord said, if you guys being wicked give your children good presents, what more will I do? You see, we're not waiting for this unknown. Like, oh, I need healing. Wow, there's a snake. And the Lord's up. There. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> waiting is about keeping your eyes fixed on what we've been asking for. It's not coming, come out of the blue like boof. Oh, actually, you asked. You know, you asked for a bicycle, but I've, you know, I've got you a book. And it's like ah, oh, a. Waiting is not about some uncertain time. The time might be uncertain, but what you asked for never is. And this is actually something that actually amazed me when I read it, is because as you read about Mary and Martha, you know, they gave up the waiting. They started getting religious. They ended up giving up. But what was amazing thing for me was Jesus actually raised Lazarus with the very prayer that was sent to him in the beginning. Jesus, the one you love is sick. Basically, can you come and do something about it? And even when everything else went wrong, it was still the same prayer. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did it not say to you, If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And that was actually quite interesting. is because if it was me, you would have said, Well, your belief's wavering a little bit here. You know, um, maybe it's not. But did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you heard me. I thank you that you always hear me. Basically, he said, I'm only saying this out loud so the people around me will hear what I'm saying and they'll know that you've sent me. And he said, When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't pray any fancy prayer. He actually prayed what they asked for in the very beginning. In our life, in our hopes, in our dreams, the things that we've actually shut up, we've bandaged them up, they smell, put them away. God actually often will rise him up with the very same cry that came out of your heart right from the beginning. Because what comes out of your heart is actually what God put in there in the first place. What comes out of your heart is what God wants to glorify not only you, but himself and those around you with. He didn't raise him with some big fancy prayer. He actually rose him with the same prayer that was asked of him in the first place. Now, one thing I noticed, it says this, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It says this, he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You know, hopes, dreams, desires that have been unmet, that have been put away, that have been wrapped up, often we're so close to them that we think, well, it's a goner. It's interesting, when Lazarus came out, he didn't say, well, Lazarus, this is your own problem, mate. Fix it up yourself. He didn't say, you know, imagine you come out, Well, you had to. You, 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 you were bound. You couldn't actually, you may have even bonked into things on the way. You couldn't see. You couldn't, I guess you couldn't hear that well. Your mouth's covered. Your arms are covered down here. Your feet are covered. You're bound from head to toe. How do you unwrap your own problems? It's like Houdini or something like that, you know. He said, come forth, and then he asked the people. He said, go and unwrap him. Again, we need to find people who are talking faith. We need to find people who are not necessarily agreeing with you. We need to find people who say, let's start taking off what was dead. Let's start giving you sight again so you can actually see once again, starting from here down, thinking, seeing, hearing, speaking, your heart, right down, your hands, your walk. Often we think our problems are ours and we better sort them out ourselves because we've been raised that way, tough ass. shedding your tears for girls. You know, I don't shed tears, it's just got to be tough because that's what good men do. Don't show emotions. Don't do this. We need to find people. Join a cell group. Find people you can get around that aren't going to judge you, but also find people who are not going to put you back where you just came from. Oh, yes, yes, I understand where you're coming from. It's, life's been hard for you. I actually understand where you're coming from. You need to go back down in there. Find People who will help to set you free, not to bind you up again. Oh, that's good. Got the musicians coming up. right on time. What I'd like to ask, though, guys, is this. First of all, the Bible actually says that before we're saved, it says we are actually all in darkness. It says we live in death. It actually says that we, we, we try to find our own way. We make a way which seems right, but we, we just go all over the show. It actually leads to death. Jesus said, I came and I came to give life and abundance. Just while every head, just bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. If there's people here, they say, well, you know what? I haven't even made that first step in my life. I haven't even given the Lord an opportunity to actually bring me from darkness into light, from death into life. If there's anyone here who would like to make that decision, just put up your hand, I'd love to pray with you. There's anyone here that hasn't made that decision, if you'd like to. I'd love to pray with you. Put up your hand, it'd be great. Thank you, Lord. Well, people here, See, what I'd like to do is the people here that you say, well, actually, I once had a dream. I once had a vision. It still sort of burns every now and again, but I managed to push it down. But there's people here that like that, and you'd say, well, actually, there's something in my life that I actually want to rekindle. There's something in my life that I actually want to start being unbound from. I'd love you to come up the front. Does anyone here like that? anyone else like, you know, it's not, we actually don't have to twist God's arm. It's actually, it's not about saying, oh, well, it's all foolishness. Who am I to have a dream? Who am I to have a hope? Who am I to have a desire? Who am I that God would want to do something in my life? Does anyone else would like to come up?